Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything racing from this past week. Joining me in the studio this week are Gray Warren, I'm sorry, Gray Warren off on assignment. Joining me this week, Seth Eggert and Richard Uden. And uh, we've got a, got a new panel sound tonight, Justin, is it Justin Maiello? Malello. Malello. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to mispronounce your name. There. I you know, if I was smart, I'd ask you before we started how to pronounce your name. But then again, no one's accused me of being smart. Not this week anyway. So uh, anyway, so NASCAR in Vegas this week, we had a Joey Logano taking it to the win. Uh, we had Matt Benedetto equaling his uh, best career finish with a second, getting ever so closer to that milestone win for the Wood Brothers. So, uh, Seth, what did you what did you think of the action out in Vegas? Very interesting, the race. Uh, there was a lot of Chevys up front, a lot of Fords up front. Toyota was nowhere to be found after their uh, pre-race uh, tech inspection issues. But it was a interesting race nonetheless. Uh, you had Chase Elliott up front. You had Joey Logano up front, Ryan Blaney up front. It was a different cast of characters than what we're used to seeing. Uh, f- as a matter of fact, nine out of the top ten finishers were from different organizations and the last time that happened was this race nine years ago okay so now now richard you had made a comment last week about television numbers <laughs> might be might be up after uh, after all the uh, mainstream press coverage that received by uh, ryan newman's accident so the, the television numbers are in for vegas what can you tell us uh, i think they saw about uh it's not you know, apples to apples sort of thing because Vegas is a different weekend than it was last year, uh, and the like. But it was about a seven to eight percent rise in uh, viewing figures, um, and it was a three-year high rating for Vegas. Uh, so that was pretty good. So what do they have? I'm just reading off the numbers here from Fox Sport. Five point five million viewers on Fox, making it the highest-rated and most-watched edition of the race in three years um, since 2017. So. Uh, it ranks the highest rated and most watched sporting event of the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was pretty, uh, you know, yeah, there you go. 8% over last year's race at Atlanta, which was the sec- also the second race of the season. So, you know, they, they've got a driver who's walking around, and, th- and thankfully he was able to visit the, uh, you know, the Roush uh, stable, uh, you know, this week and spend some time with the guys there, which was, uh, um, you know, great to see. But, you know, NASCAR have got what... Uh, you know, they've got increased viewing figures there. I guess what you call the magazine shows that they have on uh, ESPN and Fox and all these sort of channels on a weekday evening, they were seeing like 150% increase in viewing in viewing figures. So, uh, you know, if everybody's crying out to reduce the chances of these sort of accidents happening again, and NASCAR probably sat, in, sat there thinking, bring it on, guys, you know. <laughs> That's awful to think that, yeah. But it is. Well, I mean, it is quite miraculous that uh, that Newman walked away from that. I mean, you know, we, we all saw that and, and collectively held our breath. I know, and I know, Seth, you were right there. We talked about this at length last week. But uh, yeah, at the same point, yeah, it's um, they, they've got to find a way to keep those cars on the ground, even if it is good for ratings. 
Yeah, uh, I was there. Justin was there as well. But uh, it was it was a terrifying experience in Daytona. Thankfully, like Richard said, uh, he's not only up walking around. He visited the shop today. He's gone fishing. Uh, he's being treated for a uh, head injury, as they said, or as he said, uh, not disclosing exactly what kind of head injury. Uh, we can speculate all we want, but there's no reason to do that. Uh, that being said, NASCAR did ho- uh, hold a press conference on Saturday morning, I believe it was. Uh, they're not going to change the package going forward, although they are going to look into what happened. They uh, detailed a timeline as to exactly what happened in the course of events uh, 35 seconds after the car came to a stop, uh, EMS was there. And within, I believe it was a minute and a half, I want to say one minute and 38 seconds is what the exact time was. There was a paramedic inside the car uh, with Newman. And uh, the only time they were not either with Newman or working on Newman was when they uh, rolled the car over, which took about three minutes. Uh, in total, from the time the car came to a stop to when he was loaded in the ambulance was about 15 minutes and 18 seconds or something about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like an excruciatingly long amount of time on television. You know, but then again, then again, it always does. Even even those 35 seconds seem like forever. You think, where, where, where are they? Where are they? You know, but they 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 were on the scene pretty quick. But uh, now, Richard, you and I were talking about the the like the spine support seats that they use yeah. in, in Formula One and in in um in IndyCar. Is this that they can just lift the whole seat out of the car with with the with the driver in it and and yeah. you know kind of keep that keep that that spine in place in case there's any injury? But uh, no such no such thing in NASCAR right now, huh? No, it's interesting, and um, I know from from my experiences that a lot of drivers will actually have uh, different seats for super speedways. So for uh, you know a regular mile and a half, or you know one of the you know road courses or street courses, or um, oh, sorry, yeah, a road course or short track, they'll a lot of the times they'll they'll have a a lightweight uh, sort of aluminum seat, whereas for the um, uh, super speedways, they actually have a carbon fiber seat which is a little bit more substantial and obviously um you know hopefully provide them a little bit more protection which is probably shown in this case um but yeah it, it is a um you know i don't know if they've looked at it i don't know you know if there's a i mean in, in a serious accident you know as you saw with um eric Amarola a few couple of years ago at kansas you know they they have to chop the roof of the car off anyway so potentially extracting them while they're still in the seat is still very very possible um, you know, even with a, you know, a, a sort of tin top racing car. So I'm surprised I haven't looked at that. But again, there may be some, uh, you know, logistical reason or, you know, reason that I don't know of as to why they haven't done that. But I thought it would pretty, probably be a good thing to do because, you know, as we all know, unfortunately, with spinal injuries, they're not necessarily immediately visible. And even the slightest movement in the wrong direction can have, you know, quite drastic consequences. Um, so, uh Oh, yeah, it could mean the difference between walking again and never walking again. Yeah, well, exactly. Just, just, yeah. just, just um, the smallest movement. So yeah. So you know, I, I, I obviously I, I can't remember. You may know more than I do. But when Robert Wickens had his accident in Pocono, I'm sure he was carried off on a spinal board uh, and extracted while he was still in his cha- in his seat. Um, yes, I, all... I, I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thankfully, you know, not the case this time, but. Um, Something that I don't know. I don't know. Maybe being considered. Who knows? Who knows? I like I said, it was just a conversation you and I had the other day. I thought oh, we'd bring sure. it up in the air because it's uh, on the air because it's a great conversation there. So now, Justin, you've been kind of quiet. I know you're the new guy here. So, uh, I mean, what what are your thoughts uh, coming out of Vegas? The quality of the racing, the package they used. How how'd you feel that like the uh, the Vegas race played to the uh, to the average viewer? Honestly, I thought it was one of the best mile-and-a-half races that NASCAR has put on in a long time. Uh, last year, they had some really great racing as well. But um, to start off the season at Vegas, um, the true season, in my opinion, because you never know what you know, you're know you going to get as far as the season is concerned at Daytona. But at Vegas, you can kind of see who the real contenders and kind of who the pretenders are going to be. Um, 
I was really looking forward to the battle that was shaping up between Ryan Blaney and Alex Bowman there at the end of the race. And it, it almost feels like we all got robbed of what could have been when the caution came out for uh, Newman's fill-in, Ross Chastain, uh, when he had spun off a turn two. So um, we we got the, the – we still got a, a crazy finish with the, with the restart and everything like that. But, I mean, just the whole race, they were three wide, four wide, just – beating off like beating each other like all over the place and it was it was just crazy racing all the time and uh, i i was a big fan of it yeah and uh, certainly with the increased uh, television viewers there, i mean that's got to play well in nascar's hands to not only have an increased viewership but to put on an entertaining show you know and and so now seth you talked a little bit about the problems with Toyota, okay? We, we yes. generally expect Toyota to be strong week in, week out. Uh, nearly every track you can expect Toyota to play a factor. So what exactly went wrong? Well, pre-race, uh, three of their cars failed inspection. Uh, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, all four plastic uh, in the nose of the car. Essentially, they messed with the body of the car. Uh, that was an L1 penalty, so although qualifying was rained out and Kyle Busch had to start on the pole, he had to drop to the rear. On top of that, they all had 10 driver and owner points taken from them. So by the time they got through the field, I want to say it was somewhere around 150, 175 laps that Kyle Busch finally broke into the top 10, and he couldn't do anything. Whatever they did to uh, with their the setup of the body going into Vegas, they went in the wrong direction, pushed the limits too far, and adjusting to go back to the limit just took away their speed. So you're saying when the car was legal, it was slow. Essentially. Essentially, yeah. So, so now, what exactly did they modify, Richard? Now, Seth, you were saying something in the nose. I, I thought I had read something about the uh, the the wheel wells or the fenders as well, or did I misread, mis- did I misread that? Uh, they didn't mess with the wheel wells, but that I want to say that was the front end of the car, so it might have been in the general area of that, but it was more up on the top of the fender near the hood. At least that's my the information I have. Okay, all right. So yeah, I mean it's difficult to really put uh, you know put your finger on exactly what they're doing, but by sounds of things, it was a team decision. Everybody was doing it. Um, and I mean the 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 reason that teams do this is the the regulations are so cli- t- tightly um, restricted within NASCAR that, in all fairness, if you had a perfectly legal car you know, 100% legal to the rule book and gave it to a Kyle Busch or, you know, Jimmy Jobs, whoever, they'd probably run 30th. Every single car, every single car on that grid, all 38 cars, whatever you had at Vegas last week, they'll have something. This is a little bit, you know, this is a little bit out or that's a little bit out or, you know, that was, you know, a little bit trick. And it's it's like the, the old um, poacher and the gamekeeper sort of... Uh, Scenario: Every team is trying to get an advantage. Every because the the rules are so restrictive, uh, and the, the margin uh, margins are so fine that uh, you know somebody's always trying to do something to get that little bit of an edge. Yeah, interestingly enough, I was having a conversation with somebody who's just a very very casual you know race fan, just watches a little here and there, and they were we're talking about this cheating, and I'm like, I said, you do realize that this is ingrained in NASCAR culture. I mean, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean NASCAR, you know, rose from folks that were driving Food fast to, to evade police. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. always been it's always been a game of a cat and mouse and to see what we can get away with. So it's it's deeply ingrained in NASCAR culture and it's it's just a part of the sport and, and it always has been and it's sometimes it can be very frustrating when your favorite drivers are penalized and and then other folks are saying, Oh, you know, so and so only wins because he cheats uh, which you'll 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 hear a lot when uh Somebody that's not not universally liked, like a Kyle Busch or a, a Denny Hamlin, is 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 on a winning streak. There, uh, you'll hear that he only wins because he cheats. Jimmy Johnson only wins because he cheats, but they all do. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, mean there's that thing when when Jimmy won his last championship, wasn't it? He uh, they actually they they 
um, made him go to the back of the grid on pit road before the start of the race because they. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Bank of Clark County has a comprehensive suite of solutions for your personal and business needs. We offer banking, lending services, and wealth management services with the best-in-class customer service you'd expect from a community bank. Whether you need a checking or savings account, a mortgage or home equity line of credit, a business loan, or to set up a trust or investment account, Bank of Clark County can help. Bank of Clark County. Big Bank Solutions, Community Bank Service. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Found something as the cars were all lined up and he still won the race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, a grid penalty doesn't account for a lot. Uh, especially when they could still so, run the part that was illegal. Right, right, yeah. So it's a little too late. That's why you can start at the back, but uh, have at it, boys. So, All right, so... Um, now, uh, Justin said, let's talk about the uh, support races this week. Well, we had the Xfinity Series, which had a delay due to uh, rain. Uh, about They got one stage in, about there were five laps, and then the town uh, on Saturday. Uh, they restarted after the cup race on Sunday. Chase Briscoe uh, handily went out and won. Ryan Sieg had a career day. Uh, he opted to stay out during stage one, not pit, had an extra set of fresh tires, used that to his advantage to finish third, uh, matching his career best finish. We also had an incident between Noah Gregson and Mike Snyder, my, who we've had on the show in the past. Uh, Noah Gregson uh, intentionally turned my on the front stretch, at least that's what the camera shows, where not Noah's actually admitted that yet isn't there a story. And we might have a developing feud between the two of them from what it looks like. In the truck series, it was the Kyle Busch show. Uh, there's no other way of saying it. He led over 100 laps of 134 uh, and cruised to victory uh, by just under six seconds. The only driver who could really challenge him all night long was Sheldon Creed. And Sheldon got loose one time, had to... Uh, save it, used up his tires, and dropped all the way back to 10th. Which, there's another story out of that. Uh, Kevin Harvick put a bounty on Kyle Busch of $50,000 for any cup driver full-time who is willing to jump down to the truck series and beat Kyle in one of his four remaining races. Uh, Marcus Lemonis of uh, Gander RV and Outdoors match that so there's a $100,000 bonus up for cup drivers who want to jump down to the truck series and try to beat Kyle Busch. Any takers on that bet yet? Uh, I know Corey LaJoy is looking for a truck. I know uh, there's some (laughs) people trying to put Kyle Larson in a GMS truck. Uh, And I know Jordan Anderson has said that he's run two trucks on occasion. So there are people that seem to be interested. Uh, CMI Motorsports, which they actually had a decent day into electrical issues with uh, Stephen Parsons. They were running inside the top 15 when uh, an electrical short forced them to the garage with which honestly was heartbreaking for Stefan, considering that was a career day he had going until about midway through stage two. Hmm. Yeah, says him to care about electronics. Everybody just says, no, it doesn't, it's not important. Electronics isn't important. <laughs> it is when it stops your car, guys. <laughs> so I'm just trying to pitch myself there. It's okay. We're good. We'll carry on. I was going to say, says the electronics guru. On exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of electronics, uh, Ty Majeski had a sponsorship from longtime partner iRacing. Uh, Majeski is the highest rated iRacer on the oval side of things on the surface, which the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series was actually in action last night. Granted, we're recording on Wednesday, so they were in action on Tuesday night. Uh 
in that we had 30 lead changes among 13 drivers at Auto Club Speedway. Uh, Ashton Crowder of Burton Klingerman Esports went to victory. And Justin, I know you were covering the race just like me. Uh, want to talk about it a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Enesca race was, was definitely a, a fun one to, uh, to watch last night. Uh, you didn't think Ashton was going to be there at the end, but he, uh, he came around around 20 to go. And then Garrett came out of nowhere as well, Garrett Lowe, and the battle was between them at the end. They only had two cautions last night, so it was a really clean race. But one of their cautions did take out a lot of contenders, including Ryan Luza, uh, including Logan Clampett, um, and, and a couple other drivers. Actually, Zach Novak, the, the champion, actually also got taken out. So um, it, it was definitely another great event uh, for those guys in the, in the NASCAR Coca-Cola series. Uh, it was definitely fun to to watch them uh, take part in it, and, and I'm looking forward to the next race, at, which is going to be at Homestead in three weeks. Now, Frank, I know we haven't talked about uh, NASCAR's eSports uh, series and their ventures in there a lot, at least in recent uh, shows. Right, yeah, but... so let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Now we have you know, the eSports, we're, uh, yes, we're at Homestead, but we're not, we're not really at Homestead, you know, we're our competitors are, are in various places across the country on their PCs, and there are there is big money in this in this i racing now, the i racing and the e racing. Like as you said, they've got Coca Cola behind it, NASCAR sanctioning it, and uh, it's just really kind of taking on the life of its own. But there are folks out there, and I don't know. Just as recently as earlier today, you had somebody give you a few disparaging comments on social media while talking about iRacing uh that that say oh yeah this is fake motorsports this is you know this isn't real um so i mean be that as it may it it draws a lot of interest and there's big money and even if you look at these sort of things like um uh you know what qualifies as sport now you know i i i see i see drone racing on television I, i see uh Places like uh, Madison Square Garden filled to capacity watching people play uh, World of Warcraft or, or whatever it is in a, in a championship. So, uh, so, so this you've is got golf. And you've got golf, okay? So, <laughs> <laughs> I was going more along the, uh, the the computer lines there, but yeah, yes, you do have golf, which uh, which draws better uh, <laughs> TV ratings than an uh, IndyCar, but. Uh, so anyway, so so Seth, yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's talk a little more about the um, little more about the uh, the i racing and the e racing, and I've got another story from the truck race I want to circle back over to after a moment. Well, they're in their eleventh season. This started all the way back in two thousand ten. Uh, Coca Cola is the new sponsor, taking over from Peak Antifreeze, which uh, left the series last year or at the end of last year. Uh, the total purse, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, is $300,000 this year. Yes, it is. And between bonuses, race winnings, uh, John Wood actually mentioned earlier today that his drivers, because the Wood Brothers Racing Team has drivers in the E-NASCAR series, his drivers are making more money than he did when he was running in the truck series as a driver which that's just mind-boggling alone. But uh, there are actual teams. You have uh, Wood Brothers Racing, you have Junior Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, JTG Doherty, Roush Fenway. You have uh, William Byron Esports, Denny Hamlin Racing Esports. You have Kyle Larson, Clint Boyer running teams. And then you have some iRacing and Esports-specific teams as well, uh, including... Williams Esports, uh, Richard, uh, you may mm-hmm. find that interesting. But uh, I know they've been involved, yeah. Yeah, so you have a lot of different teams, not just uh, organic ones uh, from the iRacing world, but you also have the endemic teams from NASCAR as well. It's an interesting mix that you're, you don't really see many other places. Uh, I know F1 is trying to go and do their own esports. I know uh, you have IMSA doing something with Forza for esports. So it's a growing industry and a growing venture on all sides of uh, the motorsports world. 
It's just everyone's doing it their own way. NASCAR has essentially two different series. They sanction the iRacing series. Then you have the Race Team Alliance that is behind the uh, eNASCAR Heat Pro League, which is on Xbox and PlayStation 4. Right now they're doing qualifiers uh, coming up for their uh, team draft, I want to say, next month. So what would you, you know, say say a young person wanted to get into iRacing, what would – what would you say the initial investment would be? Say you know just to, you know with the with the with the software, the um, the, the the interface and hardware they need to buy. What does what does what does it cost to get going? Just curious. Well, if you already have a computer, <clears throat> I would say, and Justin, you might uh, uh, dispute me on this a little bit. I would say if you get a full year of iRacing, depending on how you want to go about it, and a decent wheel, it might be somewhere in the range of $300? Uh, it may be a little bit more, depending on the amount of cars that you want to purchase. Um, and, and it's not like you're purchasing a car every time you wreck it. It's like if you want to drive <laughs> the Chevrolet Camaro that's in the NASCAR Cup Series, uh, the ZL1 1LE, uh, which they don't it's have a one-time yet. purchase. But, yeah, it's a one-time purchase of, like, $15. So you have to buy each type of car. Then you also have to purchase the track. Um, and if you want a decent wheel, I, I know that there are some of the, the pros that are out there that have won championships on, like, $100 wheels out there. But um, me personally, I'm I'm very big into this. I've probably spent thousands and thousands <laughs> of dollars on my own personal <laughs> setup. But I would say, like, a, a good number for somebody who wanted to get into it and, and have a lot of fun with it, like, right off the bat, probably anywhere from, like, 500 to to $1,000, which, in comparison to real motorsports, is, is a much lower cost. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, when, you, when you look at what a good shifter car costs, or, yeah, it's much uh, more economical to, to get an iRacing. And I've seen some, and... some of these guys with crazy setups where they've got, uh, you know, giant – big screen in front of them and they've got the whole <laughs> roll cage and the seat and the wheel and then the seat moves and the pedals and it's uh it's just it, it's almost it, you know they've got almost like a, a full simulator in their living room and it's it's pretty cool now one thing i do want to mention uh i racing also does reward you for being a regular on the service as well uh they in the past have done a birthday credit i don't Remember, they still do that, uh, which was $5 in iRacing credit. Plus, if you ran at least eight races of a 12-race season, so that allows you four drop weeks, uh, you could also get between 5 and $7 of credit. So over time, you could actually decrease the cost of having iRacing. Granted, it's not going to put that much of a dent in it, but... Depending on what you want to do, if you want to do all the oval racing uh, and get all of the oval cars, they will give you a discount for having all of the oval, uh, essentially, products. Uh, same with the road, same with dirt, etc. Uh, so there are different ways in which you can do it your own way, essentially. So can you, like, uh, like practice at any time? Yes. Okay. So now when it comes to these larger events, the money events, is this something that I guess you would need to qualify for? Yes. Uh, the eNASCAR Pro Series, you have to climb the ladder to get to A class. Then you have, uh, Justin, I'll let you take it from here because you've been following it more closely uh, in recent years. So uh, once you get to A class, what's the steps there? So once you get to the Class A license, which is the highest license that you can attain um, just from a normal membership, the, the only step up from there is to go for pro and to go for um, the Drivers World Championship, which is what this Coca-Cola iRacing series is. So starting on March 10th, there's going to be a iRacing Road to Pro series that's going to alternate weeks with the eNASCAR Coca-Cola series where up and coming drivers who want to be in the Coca-Cola series are going to have a chance to spotlight themselves. 
They're going to race in the truck series uh, trucks, um, same type of trucks that are in the in the um, Gander RV and outdoor truck series. They'll race their own schedule. They're not going to have just one race. It's going to be a bunch of different splits of races where um, you could have like a winner. Um, you could have like seven different winners on on one night. But the the higher your I rating is the more points you're going to get and the top however many in points are going to graduate from the road to pro to the pro series, the iRacing Pro Series. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And then from there, they're going to take, I believe, the 20, the top 20 from the road to pro and the bottom 20 from the iRacing Coca-Cola series at the end of the season and put them all in this iRacing Pro series. And they're going to do their own separate series at the end of the year around like November and December. And then the top 20 from that will graduate up to the Coca-Cola series. So the drivers, the 40 drivers that are in the Coca-Cola series right now, 20 of them are only guaranteed to be in it next year. The rest will have to fight their way back in. Okay. So this is, say it's a major commitment to, uh, to get yourself to that yeah. level. So just like, just like in real racing, you've got to, you've uh, got to work for it. What, one way I can describe I rating is essentially a skill rating, so to speak. Uh, and the way you get points, like he said, it's different. It depends on the strength of field. <laughs> 2015 on I racing, I won the Daytona 500. I was in the fifth split. There were, uh, I believe, a total of 28 splits that year. That's how many people were running the Daytona 500. Mind you, I won. I was still 130 points behind the guy who finished fifth in the top split. And that's because of the different I ratings and the different skill rating, essentially, uh, between the two uh, the two different races. Okay, yeah, well, all very good and informative stuff. And we'll, and we'll touch on this from time to time throughout the year. I know, Seth, you're uh, covering this for um, kickingthetires.net, uh, and I know, Justin, you're covering this as well. Uh, so, uh, But let's, I want to get back to the truck series because I, I, I read a funny story, and I'm sure you heard this one about Angela, Angela Rush or Angela Ruck, where she, uh, I guess, Parker Klingerman had something, said something disparaging about her uh, and posted a video of her spinning out on a qualifying lap. And then he, he says something to the point of, I believe we really need to uh, up the quality of the people we're allowing uh, in the truck series. And then he went on to say, oh, I have no doubt that one day there'll be a woman that'll lap to field, but I guess she isn't it. And then uh, so she came back and, and just let him have it. She called him a dipshit. And uh, she said, I, uh, I, I blew a tire. And, and, then, and then she said, um, and you're a sad little man who nobody would date in high school. So, then later on, she says, oh, that wasn't me. My husband was on my Twitter account, which is what? Well, that's the Jenna Fryer excuse, right? Whenever she says something dumb, she goes, oh, my daughter was on my Twitter. But, um, yeah, well, then she also said, if I ever find you, I'll. I'll come and slap you on the ass. Um, and the, the difference, the difference, she said, the difference between you and me is that I that I work, and she misspelled difference. Um, I mean, the whole thing was just really comical. And then for her to throw her husband under the bus, oh, he got on my Twitter account, oh, because he always has my back. Yeah, it's, uh, um, you know, I, I don't honestly, you know, I've I've gotten a number of verbal ar arguments in my day and and. You sad little man that nobody would date in high school is not an argument that a uh, it's not an insult uh, that comes from one man to another man. Just saying, don't want to throw. I, not throw my wife. I, I, I was gonna say I'm not. I'm just not throwing a, any gender stereotypes there. But that, that if you ask me, that sounds like something she would have said. But I, I find the whole thing comical. 
Uh, I will say this. Uh, if you watch the replay, right as she spins, you can see a puff of smoke come out from the tailpipes and the left rear wheel uh, rev up almost as if she downshifted when she should have upshifted. Listen, you dipshit, she blew a tire. <laughs> so, no, I'm just saying that, you know what, it, it always it just cracks me up that, that you know, uh, when you're not in the right frame of mind, Twitter's like a loaded gun. You know, stay away from it. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I just, it just caught, caught my eye. I thought it was funny. My buddy, uh, uh, Toby Christie, had posted that, so um, I thought that was good. Um, other big news, or, you know, again, one of the worst-kept secrets is that Fernando Alonso will now definitely be at the Indy 500 in a um, – Arrow McLaren Schmidt Peterson car. Um, this we had suspected since the deal fell through with Andretti. There's a few more details out there. The partner is going to be Royoff Mortgage, uh, who were the same folks that were um, adorning the side pods of Takuma Sato's uh, car in uh, 2017 when he won the 500. And they are, you know, they're closely aligned with um, with Andretti's team. And the whole thought was to have. Um, Roy F. Mortgage and Alonzo in the Andretti car. Um, then, you know, it was reported that uh, Honda is the one that, that put the axe to that. Andretti says it was not Honda. Somebody else had come out and said it was Roy F. Mortgage that Alonzo wanted more money than they were willing to pay for himself, you know, for his own fee. Um, then it turns out Roy F. says, well, we want to stick with Alonzo. And they said, Michael, do you mind if we follow him to whatever team he goes to? So it wasn't Roy F. Mortgage, right? So it all comes back to, well, it must have been Honda, but Michael says, no, it wasn't Honda because obviously Michael needs to make uh, Honda happy. And then, then a buddy of mine, a certain Mr. Marshall Pruitt, says, he says, you know, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that people get in a press conference and there's a question they don't want to really answer, that they may make something up and hope people believe it. So, um, I mean, take that for, for what you will. But either way, at the end of the day, Alonzo is going to be in – um, that that Arrow McLaren car. Now, of course, fan fan opinion is split. Uh, there are folks that who are the first thing to say is, "Oh, ha ha ha, he's not going to qualify again." Well, you got to realize this is a totally different team than the McLaren that showed up at Indy last year. You know, McLaren was a you know one-off uh, team on their own. Um, very new to to the sport. They had an alliance with Carlin, who's a second year. Uh, part-time team at the time um, to, who offered mainly logistical help, uh, and when I say logistical help, they you know helped them out with uh, you know what are the best hotels to book and, and how to beat the traffic and those sort of things was was the uh, logistical help from Carlin. Um, but if you look at what uh, what uh, Peterson and and Schmidt and McLaren have lined up this year, I mean they brought in Craig Hansen as a as a team manager and engineer and Craig Hansen is one of the most brilliant engineers in the business. This is the guy that engineered all of, uh, Sebastian Bourdais four consecutive champ car, um, championships, uh, with Newman Haas. He was most recently with, uh, Sebastian at Dale coin. Uh, here's a guy that, that knows what he's doing, knows how to, uh, uh, you know, how to, to get the best out of people, how to get the best out of a car and the best out of driver. So, so if, if you think that Alonzo is not going to be competitive, um, this go round, or if you think he's going to be bumped out, I I have to tell you, he, he this is a this is a pretty good seat for him, and it's a pretty good seat for the uh, for the two rookies that are there as well. Um, even though Alonso doesn't bring tons and tons of IndyCar experience to the table, uh, just you know for um, you know young Oliver Askew um, and his teammate to be in the presence of, of Fernando Alonso, just to kind of see how he. Uh, how he prepares for the race and whatnot and see what his setup are and, and to talk to him about feedback can only help those young guys out. So, uh, Richard, what are your thoughts are uh, Alonzo returning to McLaren after divorcing them a few months ago? I mean, it wouldn't be Alonzo, would it, if it had, didn't have some sort of, like, twists and turns and, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, there's... I, I really don't know. After everything that went on in, what, 2007, eight, whenever it was, I think it was seven, wasn't it, with the whole Spygate thing and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he must have some photographs of somebody at McLaren in a compromising position because I just can't believe he keeps going back there. You know, I really don't. Um, but, you know, it, it, for him, it's obviously the best option. But, um, 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's his best shot. I think it's better than some of the other options that are available. Uh, I think last year was a complete farce, truth be told, and I think they'll probably learn a lot of lessons for that, and they're going to move forward in a far more constructive way. Yeah, again, I think I think this is going to be a, a very solid effort. I mean, they, they I, I don't know that they'll rival Penske, Andretti, or Ganassi just yet. But but to com- kind of, you know, people want to draw the comparison. They say, you know, well, they're with Schmidt-Peterson now. They say, oh, well, you know, they got bumped a couple of years ago, too. Well, yeah, they did, you know. Uh, yes, they did, but they also won the poll the year before that. So these, these guys know what they're doing at Indy uh, between the, what they've assembled there. They've got uh, they've got good budget in there. They've got good folks working for them. So um, they do have a very ugly livery with the uh, with the orange and black that doesn't seem to go well together. Um but uh, but I think uh, in the end, uh, you know, as much as unpopular may be to, to say to some folks, I think that the um, the McLaren Arrow Schmidt Peterson team is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, maybe not immediately, maybe not right out of the box, but uh, you know, I, I'll I'll say they'll they'll slot right in there between Ganassi and Andretti, and you know, probably do a little better than you know some of the midfield teams, the Carpenters and and whatnots of the world. So. That being said, speaking of IndyCar teams, there was a, a very vague announcement the other day um, from Robbie Buell and, uh, that, that he is preparing an IndyCar team uh, with uh, – it's going to be Citroen Buell Racing. And they said they'll be at the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, and that's all we know at this point. We don't know what type of uh, engine they'll be running. We don't know what sponsors they're bringing to the table. Uh, we don't know who the drivers are going to be or engineers or anything like that. But uh, so it's a new team in the works, and you've got to if you if you if you had to look between the lines and you know say how are they going to pull this off in a short time, which you know I, I don't even believe that they own a car right now. But but you figure here's Ricardo Yunkos sitting on decent IndyCar equipment uh, with no sponsorship money. You have to wonder if this is going to develop into a partnership between those two teams to get somebody on the grid. Uh, then you've also got Dragon Speed, who also owns some decent IndyCar equipment, who have announced, a, I believe, a five-race schedule. But again, this is a, I'll believe it when I see them at the track, because they, they were, I think I had announced seven races last year, and they made it to three uh, they said they had visa problems, uh, which could be the case, might not be the case. I think they had money problems. So there's there's some other folks out there floating around that, that could possibly be associated um, with this team. But we'll just have to see how that plays out. They said more details to come next week. It would be our luck that the details are now in between the time we tape this show and the time it airs. And then we'll look like we don't know what we're talking about, as per usual. But uh, that'll be an interesting development to watch as well. Now, Richard, let's yeah. let's talk about the Mercedes fancy dual-axis steering that that has been approved for 2020 but banned for 2021 already. It kind of talk us through how that works here because it's uh, to watch the in-car camera is very interesting and kind of. The driver has to adjust his style a little bit, but uh, kind of tell me what's going on with that. So what they're trying to do is optimize tire wear, fundamentally an aero drag, uh, down um, straights compared to the corners. So when you're going, all Formula 1 cars, or race cars, in fact, have toe, toe in, toe out, depending on the uh, demands and characteristics of the circuit. The problem with when you have toe in and toe out, so basically that's your front wheels are angled in or angled out. They don't sit perfectly um, perpendicular to the, the shaft or parallel to the direction of travel. So there's a number of issues there. Firstly, you don't get even tire wear. Uh, and also, secondly, when you're going in a straight line, your cross-sectional area of your tire, because there's an angle, is increased. So therefore, you increase drag. So what they've come with, they've come with this very, very clever mechanical system, with probably with some sort of like... Um, skewed rack and pinion style system potentially i i don't quite haven't quite worked out how they're doing it but nobody has really um so they again in straight line they pull the steering wheel towards them and that straightens the uh the toe uh so they reduce the surface area or they reduce the uh, surface area of the tire in the in the wind in the um, airflow so you reduce drag should increase top speeds a little bit 
but also it has the effect of reducing the tire wear because you get far 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 more um, evenly distributed um, uh, tire wear on the front tires. And then when they're coming into the corner, they release the or they push the steering wheel forward. You you turn back to your original desired toe angle, and that will give you your benefit going through the corners. It's a fantastic. It's a bit like the old F duct that McLaren came out with in 2010. I'm gonna say, can't remember now. But yeah, it's it's a little bit of a trick thing, and it's like, ooh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be doing 200 miles an hour through, you know, some of these, uh, you know, over places like that, trying to mess with the, the the planar angle of your steering wheel. That's a little bit sketchy. Yeah, that's, I, I was kind of wondering if there's if there's any danger, and if you pushed when you should have pulled, or pulled when you should have pushed, if it could, you know, make the car suddenly unstable. Uh, you know, it caused an incident, or, or you know, or, or cause uh, damage to the car or the or the steering. I mean, it's obviously it's gone through. You know, they'll have a certain liability there, and, and typically, uh, from their communication they've put out, um, you know, they've been in negotiation with um, the FIA um, about this system for a number, you know, through the development phase, and and, and typically, what the FIA and what governing bodies will do is like nah, yeah that's probably legal by the book but if you're going to run it you're going to have to prove to us that it's safe and we're not going to see you know steering column failures because that gets really messy really really quickly um so it may be that they've had to provide a lot of data and feedback from their r&d testing to say look you know we can withstand this amount of load we can do this many repetitive cycles on the system so uh, that may be what they've had to do uh I wouldn't say for certain, but they've at least at least done that internally anyway. I'm sorry. Do you, so do you think that the system is is that good that it's worth somebody to? go ahead and copy it even though it's only going to be good for the rest of this year yeah i uh that's an interesting question i again a bit like the f you could probably like squeeze it in there and uh, personally i don't think you'll see that bigger gains from it i i really don't think if they've come up with this little trick solution it works then hey fair play to the guys they've they've they've, they've pulled one out of the bag here um i you know, steering, you don't normally mess around with this whole steering geometry and everything because it's so integral to the rest of the car's design. I think you'd be really struggling to turn around and, um, uh, you know, change, overhaul your, your design, um, you know, in that way. So I, I don't think you'll see many teams, if any, modify what they've got. Yeah, especially, I mean, if it was going to be legal going forward, that'd be one thing. But since it's it's going to be a one-year, one-hit wonder, yeah. well, you know, we hope it's a hit. But, uh, you know, if testing times mean anything, uh, Mercedes is going to be strong again this year. There's no oh, reason yeah, to very, yeah, yeah. no reason to assume that they won't be. So, um, you know, that being said, uh, what what else got we got going on at Formula One? Anything else that so uh, we need to touch on? Again this week. Uh, so they've got the second test started today on Wednesday. Um, and then another three days they finish on Friday and then they, they pack up and head off to uh, to, to Melbourne for uh, March 15th so uh, they're you know going through it again reduced testing this year it was three weeks previously it's now down to two um, you know they keep chipping away at the amount of testing because it's not cheap and I understand that but uh, you know the reliability is good you know again I mean you look at the number of laps people are doing Jesus incredible you know I remember doing those said last week, you know, if you got, I remember, you know, you turned to the first day of a test and if you got 10 laps in, you had an amazing day and they're doing 130, 140, even almost 200 laps a day straight off the bat. It's, it's mind-blowing. Yes, it's absolutely mind-blowing, yeah. And, and, and just then the reliability of this day and age, too, so. so probably let's, shows you all the crap cars that I built. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's touch on a couple uh, IndyCar rules right quick, and then we'll we'll kind of circle back to NASCAR and preview the uh, the race coming up there in that series uh, since they're racing next week. But IndyCar has announced uh, uh, grid penalties for engine changes uh, for for premature engine changes. Now they've they, they've they've done this in the past. They, they hadn't done it for a while, but they do have the uh, the so-called engine limits. 
uh, your four four engines a year um, with with no penalty. Um, now you figure a guy. There were several cars that uh, used four engines last year uh, with no penalty. Um, now the penalties last year were in the form of uh, constructors championship points. Um, so nothing that affected the drivers' championship or the drivers' standings in the race. Uh, but if you look at the fact that uh, the guy that won the championship used six engines last year, so so he he had pretty fresh engines at the end of the year when he was down to the championship battle, um, and which is you know which is not an uncommon thing. You know they had plenty of uh, manufacturer points anyway. Uh, so so why not make sure they're good to go for the championship? But but going forward in the next year, I believe it's going to be if you change an engine prematurely. Um, uh, so if you I guess once you get to that fifth engine, you're going to get use a um, get a penalty of six grid spots on an oval and nine no, six spots on a road course and nine spots on an oval. Um, and if you get to the, the use a sixth or seventh engine, uh, I think the penalties are are even more. So it's we'll have to see how it plays out to see if uh, you know anybody will just take advantage. Hey, I'll just go ahead and and start six spots back uh, or nine spots back in order to have this fresh engine. Uh, but then the other thing we have to see is is what is the uh, you know if we run into where it's just straight engine failure, you know. Uh, maybe for no fault of the team if they have to to take a grid penalty on that. So that's that's something that's a little bit new. It's a little Formula One Formula One esque with the grid penalties and whatnot. But again, it is it is designed to uh, contain costs um, and make the uh, the series economical for the team owners. And the other rule that was announced was that they will allow a seventh man over the pit wall during pit stops, and this seventh guy it will be the aero screen attendant. Uh, so that's uh, you figure somebody somebody's got to make sure we get the uh, get get the bugs off the screen or you know get the the, the tear offs off of there if, if need be. So uh, they'll allow an extra guy over the pit wall just to make sure uh, that we keep that that clean and that you know the driver's vision is unimpaired. Again, this is this is going to be new this year. Uh, this is again something else that has the fan base entirely split uh, on, on you know aesthetics versus safety and. Um, but so I mean, it is what it is. So now, uh, uh, Justin, where are we racing next week in NASCAR? They're going to be heading to the Auto Club Speedway, which is uh, in uh, Southern California, uh, Fontana. They uh, it's the third race of the season, and uh, they they've had some uh, some interesting races there in the past, in, including uh, one year where where Denny Hamlin actually got hurt. Uh, battling with Joey Liano. That's whenever I think of Auto Club, that's that's the first race that that comes to my uh, memory banks. Uh, there, yeah, so. that, that was a wild one. Yeah. So now let's talk about the the NASCAR schedule because they changed things up a bit this year. Where we used to go from Daytona to Atlanta and then then head to the West Coast. So this year we went right from Daytona to the to the West Coast, um, and then we had you know, we had the delay at Daytona. Um, where they ended up to be a Monday race, but not just a Monday race, but a Monday night race, as a matter of fact. I don't believe we finished up at the track till close to 10 p.m., so we've got a very short week to have those guys out there ready to practice uh, in Vegas. So are the do you feel like uh, the teams are experiencing some fatigue already at this early point of the season, or or does everything seem to be just kind of working out for the best? It's it's not like they haven't done the West Coast swing in past years. They're just doing it a little sooner than normal. And and the more the more or less the reasoning was to give Atlanta a better date for the weather because they had Atlanta the second race of the season and a lot of times it was cold, it was wet, and several times uh, several times that race been snowed out back yeah. <laughs> back in the nineties. I remember a couple of times where it was snowed out. Yeah. It was the first ever race I did when I moved over here was go out to Atlanta and God, it was miserable. Oh, <laughs> oh! I was, you know, I was thinking, take me back to Monaco, please. All right. So what? Uh, so, 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 so we're running at Fontana, uh, one, of, one of my favorite tracks for the Indy cars that they don't race on anymore. Um, one it's of the shame. one of the one of the very fastest tracks uh, in the country as well. Um, so, uh, what, what kind of race do you feel like we're going to see there? And then who, who do you who do you see coming to the front? It's going to be interesting for sure. Um, 
I, I think we're going to see a lot of the same contenders that we've seen uh, in past years there. We'll see the Loganos. We'll see the uh, the Kyle Bushes of the world. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised because uh, going back to Las Vegas, the Hendrick cars were very, very competitive. You saw Chase Elliott win both stages. You saw William Byron up there at the end of the race. Uh, of course, Bowman was there, like I said, before he could have battled for the win with Blaney if the caution hadn't come out. And Jimmy Johnson was up there, and he got a top-five finish. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jimmy Johnson, who's who's won a lot of races in, in Southern California. I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, up there at the end of the race on, on Sunday. Okay, so is Jimmy Johnson your pick for the win? Uh, I'm going to have to say no on that. <laughs> hey, all right, well... <laughs> I don't mean to. I don't mean to put you in a spot there, but we do. We do uh, at the end of the, each show pick the winner for the for the upcoming week. So uh, with that said, you do get the first pick. Um, and and who do you who would you put your money on? Uh, if I had to put my money on anybody, I'd have to say Kyle Busch. Um, last week was an off week for that entire team, except for Martin Truex Jr., who was up there, but. He ended up with some crash damage, and that's what relegated him to a, a, a worse finish. But Kyle Busch, his team are going to rebound, and I can see them being contenders and uh, going for the win this week. All right. Now, uh, Seth, what are, what are, what are we going to see out, uh, out there in California? I think we're going to see Toyota continuing to struggle. And the main reason why I'm saying that is looking back to last year, Chevrolet missed the mark at the beginning of the West Coast swing, and those cars were already set up beforehand, and they had to wait until after the West Coast swing to try to start catching up. And I have a funny feeling Toyota is somewhat in the same boat, especially with what happened at Vegas pre-race. The only car that Toyota had there that didn't have any issues, at least until it was involved in the crash, was Martin Truex Jr., so, uh, so I'm going to look at the team that was good at Vegas, and I'm going to say Jimmy Johnson wins at his home track. Okay, so Justin don't want to touch it, but you'll take Jimmy Johnson. All right, now, Richard, yes. you're, you're a betting man. Yeah, yeah. the Penske's <laughs> good. Those the Penske's do look good, right yeah. They do. Um, I'm going to go with, and it's not technically, but, but it is, De Benedetto. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been talking about De Benedetto for like two solid years now. Now he's in a good ride. Yeah, he's going to have a huge amount of confidence coming off last week. And, uh, you know, he's in a, in, a, in a solid car, and uh, I think he'll, um, yeah, not see, you know, again, he may not win, but I think he's going to, you know, really be up there again, and and he's one of those guys that people are going to start take start to take notice of, and quite rightly as well, he deserves it. Right, and that will be the 100th win for the Wood Brothers, correct, Seth? That would be correct. Win number 100, that would be huge. Wood Brothers, one of the you know longest uh, and most durable teams in NASCAR racing. They've they've been around nearly since the inception of the sport, so uh, that would be awesome to see. Now, me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different route, and and, and I thought the Chevrolets looked particularly uh, good, and I'm gonna say that Chase Elliott uh, wins in out in California. So that's uh, that's where I'm at with that. And um, any closing thoughts, guys? We got about three four minutes left. Anything we we didn't touch on that we want to mention? Well, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and his crew chief, Brian Patty, at least at Vegas, made a lot of bold calls, which got him up front at the end of the race, getting him a top five finish, which for JTG Doherty on a one and a half mile track is virtually unheard of in recent years. Uh, meanwhile, Ryan Priest, for the second race in a row, coming to the final restart, was running second when either his engine failed or he was in some sort of incident. Okay, so we'll have to keep an eye on those guys this week. And then my last question is, are we uh, Ross Chastain in the Roush car again this week? Yes, he is. Okay, 
Well, we, we wish uh, him all the best of luck as well. And with that being said, we are just about out of time, so I want to thank you, Justin, for coming on. I want to thank you, uh, Seth and Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank Spreaker and iHeartRadio. I want to thank all you folks that tune in and listen to us week after week. And until next week, we'll talk to you then. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.